Pope Benedict trending on Twitter. Over to you, Janelle. Thank you, Morgan. Why do they have him out raw like that? They brought that man out like a skillet from Chili's. Why is he out grilling in the sun? Back to you, Morgan. We're going to be talking about all this and more, including how you too can become a human candle and how the popes are preserved. Next up on Plot Twist. Morgan and I once almost got locked in a convent basement. I'm Janelle and in the fourth grade I almost brought an elderly woman to her early death by ramming her wheelchair into a table of flowers at the May Day ceremony. Welcome to season two of Plot Twist Podcast A Grave Affair. This season we're going to be a little more concise, a little bit shorter episodes, a little bit more information, a little bit more fun. And you're actually going to want to show it to your friends this time because we're back and better than ever. We are going to rock it. <laughs> we watched Pope Emeritus Benedict Sixteenth funeral. So you don't have to. Yes. So you don't have to. We watched most of it. We did fast forward through some chunks, but we have got the gist of the joust for you today. This got us thinking about the process and secrecy behind the death of popes through the years, and thus we began to research the topic. And oh by golly gee, (laughs) we have some stuff to talk about. We got the tea. We will touch on Pope Benedict's funeral and then we're going to talk about Pope John XXI. <laughs> Wait, yeah. what the fuck is that? The 23rd. Thank God for Janelle. <laughs> um, Pope John the 23rd. My goodness. And Pope Pius the 12th. Thank you. We will dive into the process of preservation as we take a look at the human wax candle, Pope John the 23rd. And then we will talk about a not-so-processed pope, Pope Pius, and the stench that filled Rome. So, you know, grab your snacks, grab a drink, and let's get into it. You might want to hold off on the snacks, actually. Well, you can eat them for the first part, but then the second part, make sure you're done. We'll let you know when to put the snacks away. Put the snacks away. Not yet. On December 31st, Pope Benedict passed away. On January 5th, the Vatican held the funeral for the Pope, Pope Benny. Pope Benedict. The scene is drab. From the crowd, all you can hear is a quiet white noise. (sighs) Silence falls upon the grounds. The skies are dark and damp. Fog covers the high chapels. It's like a carefully curated scene out of a movie, but it's the day given by God instead. I think you set the set the stage really well. We don't control the weather. God does. So he's... <laughs> and it was very, like, gloomy. It was perfect for... A f- That's how I hope the weather is at my funeral. <laughs> I want okay. people to be like... I want it to feel gloomy and, like, sad. That's like very gloomy and overcast. It felt like how I feel that the weather is in England all the time, even though I've never been there to experience it. So they had paint paint cedars, St. Peter's, St. Peter's Square all decked out for this. They had lines and lines of, I think they were folding chairs. I wasn't paying that much attention. They were definitely folding chairs. I mean, I don't know what else you'd use for... Let's see. They said there were 50,000 people. So Not all of them were sitting. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I think some people were standing in the back. They had them kind of crowded in with these fences. Mm-hmm. I think the people that were sitting were those who were invited. I think you're right. I think everybody else behind those lines were just 
people who wanted to come pay their respects. I think they let the priests sit, though. Well, yeah, they're old. They need to sit their booties down. No, I down. mean, like, all the priests, even the young ones. Because in the front, so all of the, they had this big altar-type thing set up, and it was nice and pretty. On the one side, there were all the cardinals and all the bigwigs of the church. And then on the other side were Pope Benedict's, like, friends and confidants and everything. And then in the front is where all the priests from around the world got to sit. We should have dressed up as priests and headed our way down to the Vatican. Chugga chugga. Choo choo. There were a lot of people in the crowds with like banners and stuff, but they made them put them away. They had like with Pope Benedict's face on them and like, where is he from? Germany. They had a bunch of German flags and. Was he from Germany or Poland? Germany. Germany. I think JP2 was from Poland. Ah, gotcha. Those JPs. I thought he was from Austria, but then I was like, you know what? He's from Europe. He's from Europe. Yeah, it was really interesting. There were a lot of people there. Again, like you said, people did bring signs, but they were not allowed to have them up, or I'm sure they just weren't going to point the cameras at that for a televised. Yeah, they had them take them down during the mass, but before and after it was fine. Um, Actually, they were not supposed to have them. Actually, I read somewhere that they were confiscating signs, but some people got through with like the signs and banners, but they just drew the line at you can't have them up during mass. Mm, well that makes sense this is the first time in modern history that we've seen the passing of a pope emeritus or a retired pope while having a residing pope in the church so it's been a really long time long hundreds of years since there's been a pope that has retired every other pope has served until their death so pope benedict the 16th kind of broke out of the mold a little bit by retiring when his health became poor. Because of these interesting circumstances, the funeral was very simple, but it was still beautifully done. It just was a lot more simple than a standing Pope's funeral would be. Also, Pope Benedict did request that his funeral be more simple because he liked. Yeah. And so, and that's great. So they kind of did it the way he would have wanted them to. Yes. I also think out of a respect for the standing Pope, they just couldn't kind of overshadow that. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it's a difficult situation to be in. It's not really been seen before, but I right. think they wanted to make known, you know, this is not our current Pope. Mm-hmm. We're gonna bring this down a notch because it's, you know... Not really the same. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, ceremony and all of that is so important in the Vatican and the Catholic Church in general. The most important thing, I think, and with any funeral, is that the person who passed away, his wishes were being honored. Is that he wanted a more simple funeral, and that's what he got. So like I said earlier, there were 50,000 people that came to the funeral in St. Peter's Square. They had um, tele- uh, televisions, live streaming it as well, and around the, in, area, in all through Rome, but also um, throughout the square. But this is really interesting because comparatively, for our last pope that passed away, 1.1 million people came to see John Paul was Pope John Paul II's funeral, and only 50,000 people attended Pope Francis's funeral. So, and even it was interesting because more people came in person to see Pope Francis. Oh my god, I just killed the Pope. <laughs> I'm sorry. I for a second, I was like, wait a oh minute, wait a minute. I'm so a... sorry, Francis. He's Pope Frank. He's next. Just well, actually, he is. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, yeah, he I mean, be. he would be. He's the only Pope. <clears throat> um, but around 50,000 people came to pope benedict's funeral and it's interesting because more people came to pope john paul ii's funeral in person than everybody who watched it televised or not live for pope uh, benedict the 16th there's also a lot of controversy around this pope as yeah. there are with many popes yeah but i think that may have something to do with it right and there's a lot of controversy around pope francis so between the two of them 
Um, I can see that. And since he was the one presiding over the funeral, I can see that being maybe playing into it as well. So just as the funeral's ending, I was kind of thinking, uh, I mean, this was pretty boring, honestly. But then pops out of nowhere. We see the deceased. And I was a little shook. I haven't watched any other Pope's funeral before, so I did not realize that they processed through the streets with Pope Benedict's body out on display. Out raw, as uh, you heard out its Twitter said. Raw dog in it. Raw. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> but they transferred his body just laying uh, down the streets to the Basilica, St. Peter's Basilica, where he lay in state for three days. So they did a little ceremony, some prayers, some incense, and then people could just come see him over the three days lying in state. And I will say a lot of Catholics are very fond of the open casket funerals, I've noticed. Um, But this is another level. This, this, he really was just out like a chili skillet. And, you know, I was very shocked when I saw he was strapped in. I mean, that all makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. It makes sense. They are just kind of almost carrying this cot with a man inside, you know, up and down the streets till they get to the Basilica. But I was like, oh, my God, he's strapped in. I don't know why that was shocking to me, but it just kind of was a little dehumanizing to see the Pope strapped into his gurney. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not an image that you come up with. It's not an image that comes to mind when you are thinking about the Pope. So I just thought, for me, that bit was a kind of jarring it was. And I am trying not to be disrespect- disrespectful. I, he did not look well. Like, you know, sometimes when they try to prepare a person's body, try to make them look lively and pink in the cheeks. He did not look well. I will just say that. I'm Well, information has not come out yet on whether he has chosen to be embalmed or preserved in any way. I'm wondering if maybe he was not. I think that they said he was only minimally embalmed. Okay. Not like traditionally embalmed. So they could have put some rouge on his cheeks, though. Like he looked. Yeah, like he looked. Like he looked dead. He looked very dead. So that was the most exciting part of this whole entire televised event, I mm-hmm. think, to the both of us was seeing. The transportation. And that really wasn't even part of the funeral. We just got lucky to get a clip of it. It wasn't. We were like, what is this? We need to see more of this. We were just too excited. So let's go ahead and talk about kind of the order of events with this funeral very quickly. We'll go over it because there's a lot that happened. Yeah. They started out by building the suspense here. They started out with a rosary. Um, which is a basically a long prayer, a chain of smaller prayers that Catholics say. It took a while. It, t- it takes a while. It does, but I think this was one of the longest this, rosaries I've heard. Yes, because I can probably, you can probably like hack one out in 10, 15 minutes, but this was a long, we did a lot of fast forwarding here. There are, I think, four different sets of mysteries that they use. And on every single day of the week, there's a different mystery, but they... Because it was a funeral, use something called the Sorrowful Mysteries. And that's it's every set of prayers that you do. You think about certain sad things that happened in Jesus's life. So gets the you, sorrows. The sorrows. So it gets you kind of in the mood to be sad, you know. I'm just thinking about how this sounds to non-Catholics. I'm thinking I'm the like, same hmm. thing. I'm trying to explain it simply <laughs> and not weirdly, but I just think I made it worse. That's Okay. What next? What next? Okay, so then was the procession, which is something that's done in every Catholic mass. Like, the priest comes in and everybody involved. But this was, you know, a big one and a long one. 
So all of the cardinals came in, and those are all that's the highest position in the church if you're not a pope. So you start with a priest, and then a bishop, then an archbishop, then a cardinal, and then a pope. So all the cardinals came in. There was like, I don't even know how many. A then, lot. A lot. And then the Orthodox leaders came in. The Russian Orthodox, Oriental Orthodox. That's what it's called. Um, and there's just a lot of different Eastern Orthodox. That leaders. surprised me, actually. I didn't know what close ties the Catholic Church had with the Orthodox Church. Because if, if you don't really know the Orthodox, when we say that, that's another church like that's another religion right so it's another form of there's two types of catholicism that are very different orthodox and then catholic and then everything else is protestant but the orthodox they have different they have strong ties to their nationalities most of it's eastern european so there's like a romanian catholic there's or romanian orthodox there's i can't think of any of the other ones yeah, that's good enough. Just, yeah, for different nationalities. So all of these leaders were coming in with the cardinals. So we, there's a little relationship between the Catholic Church and the Orthodox churches. Then they brought in the casket um, with Pope Benedict in it. And one of our main questions was, questions was, who are the pallbearers? Who got to be the pallbearers for the Pope? When we looked into it, it turns out there are some people called the lay attendants and they are lay meaning people who are not priests or nuns or anything like that just like normal people in the catholic community and they're the lay attendants of the papal household and they help the pope out with different things there's so there's the papal butler papal physician papal secretaries all types of different things they're basically just like the people who work for the pope who aren't priests or not. And that's who carried him in was members of that lay household, which is kind of cool because it yeah. is people that he knew personally. It's nice with. that they were involved. Yeah. And then, of course, Pope Francis came in in the, in the procession. Yep. And he was the one who kind of laid out the whole show. Yeah, he and he was the ringmaster here. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he celebrated the mass, and there were also some other cardinals who came up and also did parts of the mass with him. So then we had our readings after that, um, and they did them in several different languages. The first was in Spanish, the second was in English. So after that, we have the readings. The first reading is in Spanish, uh, the second is in English by an Irish woman. Very cool. Love the accent. Then we have the gospel. It was sung in Italian. Prayers of the faithful uh, in German, French, Portuguese, Arabic, and Italian. So the prayers of the faithful are, are going to be, we give do different prayers every mass, and they each go through a different intention, praying for something different. And each of the intentions was in a different language. Yeah, I thought that was really nice that they did yeah. that. Yeah, that was cool. In that way. After that, you have the final commendation and farewell. And that's basically when you say, we're giving this guy back to God. Farewell. Pope Take Benedict. him, God. Take him away. <laughs> After that, there was the incense and the holy water. We had, I believe, what was one of the cardinals walk around the casket. Um, throw in holy water. We went around in one circle. And then he was also carrying with him um, incense that was going back and forth. Favorite. Fucking love incense. Hate incense. <laughs> it's a very large division in the Catholic Church. Yes. <laughs> and then the recession with the coffin to the basilica. And the basilica is where he's going to be until he's buried in a special tomb in the basilica. And that's pretty much the rundown of this funeral. So you don't have to watch it. Who was invited? That was one of our main questions. And good thing we have the answer for you. So only delegates from Italy and Germany were specifically invited. Usually more heads of state are invited. But it was limited since he wasn't actually the serving pope. Other heads of state 
who were unofficially attending included the Queen of Spain, the King of Belgium, President of Hungary, Poland, Slovenia, Lithuania, Togo, and Portugal. Joe Biden did not attend. Just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> um, other big question we had while we were watching this was who are the people sitting on his side in his section? Who are they? So the guy that we really liked, if you do watch any of this, there is a man wearing a beautiful lace outfit, and that was Pope Benedict's private secretary. He was sitting on that side. His name is Archbishop Georg Ganswein. Georg Ganswein! Okay! Mm-hmm. My Gonswang. friend told me that they used to call him, um, I think it was Gorgeous Georg, because he was like a real looker back in the day. Oh, my, my, my. We'll have to look up a picture of that. Mm-hmm. But he was on this, that section, the side of the Pope, and Benedict's two longtime nurses. How do I get this gig? Like, I, how do I get to be like a Pope's nurse? You know? You have to be sinless, I think. Yeah, they probably would just be like, you're not really getting paid that much. You're going to get paid well in the afterlife. And I'm gonna it be was like, probably internship. Yeah, I'd be like, no, I want cash money they'll be like but you'll get prayers from the pope i'd rather have ten thousand or a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> but that's fine anyway those were the individuals of note that were sitting in the pope section little family section the little family section one of the most interesting things i thought was the casket and the actual burial so the night before the funeral a small group of cardinals came and gathered to watch Pope Benedict's body be placed in his cypress coffin. That's the first of three coffins that he was buried in. He was buried with a crucifix and rosary in his hands, and they placed a white silk cloth over his face. The cypress casket was used during the funeral and has three seals on it. The seals of um, his pontifical house, liturgical celebrations, and the apostolic chamber. Don't ask me too much about that because that was already a lot. (laughs) They placed a book of the Gospels on top. So if you see pictures, that book on there was just a book of the Gospels, which is the part of the Bible with Jesus in it. Then after the funeral, they sealed the Cypress coffin with a red ribbon and then a wax seal on top of it. Then they put it in a second coffin that's made of zinc which I just thought was a really interesting really? medium. Yeah, why are you using zinc? I would never dream. They solder that shut, which is also just terrifying in a weird way. And then they put him inside a wood coffin. So he's in a cypress coffin, a zinc coffin, and then a wood coffin. I guess so they make sure he doesn't get out. Well, I already have a question. So the zinc one is soldered closed. Yep. And he's already inside another coffin inside the zinc coffin, correct? Yes. And then there'll be the wood one on the outside. So when they inevitably will probably exhume him, which may happen. Yeah. It has happened. And and we'll talk about that with another pope. How in the hell do they open that? That's a great, that's a really good point. Like, I'm going to have to, like, smash it open that's what i'm thinking i mean if you're typically in the catholic church if you're exhuming a coffin of somebody who's um in the religious life it's probably because you are in the process of figuring out if they're considered blessed or becoming a saint and Mm -hmm. so typically you want that body body you You want that body (laughs) you want that body to look pretty good because other people are probably going to see it beyond anything else. So if you're smashing in, like, <laughs> so like this, you're smashing through the zinc coffin to get to the cypress coffin to get to this man's face. What in the world? There's probably going to be like a welder listening to this and be like, well, actually, it's quite simple and you are stupid. Okay. I Please. I please if there's a welder listening right now, please tell me how you unweld a welded thing. Yeah, please do. Because like, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand i'm thinking like either smashing or some like james bond shit where they come up with the laser pointer thing and they're like that's the real secret of the vatican is that they have like high-tech lasers 
So the final two caskets have Benedict's coat of arms, a cross, and then a little plate with his birth date, death date, and when he became a pope. Which is kind of another weird thing because not only is the visible casket have all this information on it, but the zinc casket does as well. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a overkill. Yeah, here. I would say. But, you know, it is the Vatican. There's a lot of overkill. So something else that's buried with the Pope that I thought was really cool is called a rogito. And it's a, basically a resume of his life and all the different things he did while he was Pope. And then oh, he, so that when God gets to him in heaven, he'll be like, hold on, let me reach down and grab my resume. <laughs> Take a look at this, see if you want to hire me for heaven. All these other lay people did not come with their resumes to heaven. So loser. They put it in a little metal cylinder, you know, so then it's safe. And he gets to Jesus. So, yeah, that in a nutshell was the papal funeral. We're not done yet, though. Yeah. Yeah. We covered the boring part. <laughs> okay. We, this was so long. It was. I guess it was only like an, two hours, hour and a half. It was one of the most boring things I've ever watched. I don't know what I was expecting. I thought I it was going to be like get the popcorn out kind of dealio, but it was not. No, it was not. So. I've been to like friends funerals. Well, I'm sorry. No, and none of my friends have ever died yet. Uh, thank God. But I've been to like family funerals or family friends funerals that are a lot more exciting than this. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this is the Vatican. This is pomp and circumstance and over the top, lavish, money wasting. And that's it. But have no fear. We have some other interesting things to talk about, about the deaths of some other popes. Let's get into some of these other popes and the process of preserving a pope for burial. So the first pope we're going to talk about is Pope John. I said pope way too many times. Can we make a game like everybody listening take a shot every time I say pope? (laughs) You'd be drunk by now. Pope, pope, pope. So Pope John the 23rd. We're going to get into it here. Pope John died June 3rd, 1963. 37 years later, in 2000, they had his body exhumed and declared blessed. This is an important step in the Catholic Church to becoming a saint. We talked about this before. How are they opening that zinc coffin? But he was taken out, so obviously they did crash into it somehow. Supposedly, his airtight coffin had kept him so very well preserved that the embalming team wanted to keep him that way. And yes, I said team. For any of us peasants, not Pope status type folk, we will only have one person who will work to embalm our bodies. That's it. That's the standard. Uh, but Pope John had an entire team to help get him prepped. Damn. I'm imagining like a pit crew, like them pulling out his body and being like, Yeah, I mean, there were many people involved in this. It truly was a team. I'm not sure how anybody could have this many jobs when it comes to the embalming process. Or I wasn't sure. (laughs) Once you hear what goes down, uh, you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, it makes sense that there was a team. After the Pope's internal organs were removed and analyzed, the body was placed in a stainless steel tub for several weeks in a solution of formalin and alcohol, then neutralized for several weeks. Pope's dead body, been dead for 37 years, is just sitting in a tub somewhere in the Vatican. Wait, I just totally forgot like 37 years had gone by. Yeah, that just really years. hit me. This is not like immediate. They already probably did some type of embalming before they even put him in the casket because he also had to lay in state. But 37 years later, you have this pope who's supposedly really well-preserved already just lying in a tub somewhere in the Vatican. Like, Hmm. creepy, creepy, creepy stuff. And probably a lot of people didn't know it was happening, right? Oh, no. So they're just walking around and like three doors down, there's that. Yeah. So that's lovely. This tub was full of all sorts of solutions. 
I'm going to try to go over some of these. A lot of the stuff is like the things you see on the back of an ingredient box and you're like, I don't know how to pronounce that. So bear with me. The body after the soaking in the tub undertook several other baths in assorted solutions for months at a time, including various mixtures of ethanol, methanol, phenol, camphor, nitrobenzene, turpentine, and benzoic acid a lot of these sound like it's not gonna have anything left or it's gonna explode methanol yeah i'm like that's straight up gonna blow up (sighs) so these are not things i don't think that you typically will use when embalming and at this point we're not even embalming anymore we're just making a candle well especially not for months at a time the average person takes like what a day or two to get involved a couple hours he's gonna be pruny as hell like yeah this is you know i'm very surprised that the skin is not coming off (laughs) i know just from the soaking alone yeah just from the soaking alone turpentine are you kidding me and there was probably a lot more chemicals used than mm-hmm. just this. I'm sure there was. Um, but these are just the ones that I was made aware of through some of the research that I did. After all this, finally the body was bandaged in linen cloth, saturated with yet another solution, this one being mercury bichloride and ethanol. More ethanol. Mercury? What in the world? Then after this, after he's all bandaged, then a second team, a second team. Wait, the first team didn't have enough people to do this? First team is like, gosh, I quit. (laughs) This is too much. They all died because it took so long. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll get into it. But then the second team ensconced him with wax on his face, hands, and the entire process took about a year. I just really keep going back to the fact that for an entire year, this man was just sitting in a tub, like floating there in various chemicals. To me, this is this is disgusting. This is just disgusting. This should not be done to anybody's body. This is not healthy for the people who are doing this to him. Like this is not none of this is okay. None of this is okay. Well, after all that work, the church did not choose to rebury him. Instead, he was on display for pilgrims to see. Why in the world would anyone think they would rebury this man? First of all, that's not going to be good for the earth. That's going (laughs) to kill the entire plot of land he's on. (laughs) Nothing's going to grow there. After all that work, you're just going to be like, "Mm, he looks great. Let's rebury him. No, nobody's going to do that. So anyway... Many Catholics believe that because his body was supposedly, and I say supposedly in air quotes because, well, I don't have a picture of his body right when it came out. Oh, really? No. I mean, I'm I'm sure somewhere in the Vatican they do, but there's no public photo of what he looked like that I could find before they did all this chemical embalming, waxing, candle type shit. After all that, they're not, don't you think they were proud enough of their work to, like, post it on Insta? Come on. (laughs) But, yeah, so many Catholics believe that because his body was supposedly so well-preserved before going through this horrendous chemical process, they thought he was a miracle because of the way he was already preserved before all the chemical shit. The body was then covered in wax after all of this completely covered in wax but except for the face this is interesting to me because the reason the face was not waxed was because they had already taken a mold of his face 38 years earlier right at his death why for this exact reason possibly this is why i'm wondering if every pope when they die if there are molds taken of like their hands their face, prominent features. It's just interesting that they thought about this almost 40 years earlier to make a mold of his face because they're going to need it one day. 
I'm just, just really confused. Yeah. So I'm thinking there's a lot that goes into the process before putting a pope under the ground that we will never know about because the Vatican is very secretive about a lot of things, and I think this is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they already had a mold that was made into a mask and used when the wax was poured over his face for preservation. So who is to say if he was really truly intact at the time he was exhumed? Really, who is to say that? Right. I mean, and understandably, they may not be... I understand if they didn't, like, take photos at the time they pulled him out of the ground. So there are definitely a lot of questions. I'm sh- Part of me is thinking they probably did. I feel like that's filed away somewhere in the Vatican. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That maybe they'll need for some reason down the road. I don't know. But I feel like that they just aren't public. That's just my personal thoughts on that. But after all this, really, the embalming team literally risked their lives to preserve this man. In fact, I read somewhere, (laughs) and I wouldn't doubt it, honestly, that there's only one team member who is still alive. To be fair, this happened a while ago. 23 years ago, though. That's not that... I mean, if someone was 50. And from what I read, you know, supposedly these people died from tumors and cancer and if they're working with that many chemicals with probably not a lot of protection for at least a year because you're on the embalming team and you got to go 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 uh, that doesn't would not surprise me I just yeah so I mean that I'm not sure if that source is super reliable but it was something that I read so I just wanted to go ahead and uh, pop it in here because that's interesting it is interesting it's very interesting. So that that is kind of the story of that. That's the story of that. But then on the flip side, we have another story. We do. I wanted to provide a little context and a throwback to one of our episodes real quick. In episode six, we talked about incorruptible corpses and relics. And I think that you should definitely go listen to it. But it provides a little bit of context as to why embalming and preserving the popes is such a big deal. For one reason, they're kind of coming in with the assumption that they are going to be canonized someday. Not the greatest assumption, but it is what it is. So they're kind of presumptuous in assuming that these popes are going to be saints someday. And they want them to be able to be preserved so that they can collect relics. Relics are pieces of bone or different body parts that the Catholic Church will save to venerate in the future. Just another thought here. You're talking about bones and body parts, and I'm wondering if they kept his organs. What The Pope we just talked about, they said that they removed his organs. He was buried with his organs originally, but they had removed them to do this whole chemical process to preserve him for pilgrimages. What did they do with his organs? Oh, my God. I'm surprised that there was very much left after 37 years. Yeah, that is shocking. I guess whatever was left they did take, they didn't state that they had put it back inside. I'm thinking they probably have it somewhere. I mean, we've seen when we went to... um, that one church that had all of the relics. I'm pretty sure we saw a heart in there. I think we did. I think we did. I think there was one heart. We did see um, a brain. I can't remember to what saints because there was just so many in there. So I'm thinking that they probably did take those and keep them somewhere. I'm, I'm sure. I am sure as shit. And that is very sure that... There is a room in the Vatican just full of more recently deceased clergy high up in the church, like just of bones and body parts. I'm sure they have a whole room for that. I would not be surprised. And I'm sure they have a private, I think we talked about this between ourselves after uh, going to the Maria Stein reliquary that there may be a private collection of relics at the 
Vatican. Oh, I'm I'm certain there is. And it's interesting because I feel like the relics they're collecting are not even relics yet, per se. They could be. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Until waiting until they're canonized, right? And they're probably going to sell them off. Yeah. Or give them. Give. Yeah. With air quotes. Anyway. Okay, anyway, so this next pope that we're going to talk about. I was actually talking to my friend Corey, and he has a degree in museum studies, history, um, like a doctorate level degree. And he has a special interest in Catholic church history. But we were talking about the funeral. And so this is his like wheelhouse right here. So he knows his shit. And he brought up the story of Pope Pius Twelfth, And I was like, and I already, we already talked about, we were already working on this episode. And I was like, hell yeah, we're talking about this guy. While Pope John XXIII was all about over-preserving his body, Pope Pius XII kind of went the other way. At the end of his life, Pope Pius XII was taken care of by this quack doctor named Ricardo Galeazzi Lisi. While the Pope was dying, the doctor leaked photos and private information about the Pope's last days to the press. Wow. Just wow. I mean, you... Should be stripped of your license. Yeah, that's literally... I mean, I don't know how HIPAA... They don't have HIPAA over in Italy, but I know that that's not okay. Like, that, that's red flag. I'm sure they have some form of privacy laws when it yeah. comes to healthcare. Yeah. But maybe not. He's a whole ostomy bag. He's a... <laughs> hate him. Already hate him. We're two sentences in and already hate him. So at this time, it was typical for Pope's organs to be removed prior to burial, unlike Pope John XXIII's. Yeah. They his, kept his in. They kept his in. But before the Pope died in 1958, he made it clear that he wanted to be buried with all of his organs intact, quote, in the same condition that God had created it. Okay. All right. We're keeping the organs in. So knowing this... Dr. Galeazzi Lisi suggested an embalming method that would allow him to preserve the Pope's body without any incisions. So not like a, not a formal autopsy, no cutting into it, no IV, anything. To sell his point, he claimed that it, this is the embalming method that was used for Jesus's body. Okay, so I was under the impression that Jesus' body wasn't really embalmed. Am I an idiot? I did not assume that it was embalmed either. I mean, I don't know. Like, I thought they, like, anointed him with oils and just put him in the grave. I thought that was pretty much it. Make you smell pretty till, you know, while people are still around. Like, wasn't that kind of the point of the oils? Yeah, exactly. And they were like, he's going to rise in three days anyway. So I'm like... Okay. I don't know where he got that information. Right, and Pope Pius XII just, like, believed this. I don't know. Am I... I you're I the Pope. Mean, maybe it wasn't brought up to him while he was alive. No, he they did bring it up to him. Oh. And that's why he said, okay, great. But you're the Pope. Did you read the Bible or nah? I'm thinking nah. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to pretend like I know more than the Pope about the Bible, but it's a little weird. Dr. Galeazzi Lisi and another embalmer covered the Pope's body in essential oils and resin. Okay, so sort of how Jesus's body may have been embalmed. I would not call that embalming, however. Resin. Yeah. And they wrapped it totally in cellophane for 20 hours. You know, because they had cellophane back in Jesus' time. Yeah. Well, this was not the move. I'll tell you that. Thanks to the lack of air through cellophane, the decomposition process was altered. So his body turned emerald green, literally the quote, and putrid. During his lying in state, the Pope's nose and fingers fell off right in front of the crowd. His chest actually imploded during the ceremony. The smell was so unbearable that some of the Swiss guards closest to him actually passed out. Oof. Oof is right. 
So that's all they wrote. They just buried him like that and was like, we'll get him next time. We'll get him next time? I don't know. That's what I assume. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm guessing Golly, Dr. Galiasi, at least he did not really have a job after this because he fucked up pretty bad. Why wouldn't you just speed up the process of lying in state? Or It was during this original ceremony when they were just bringing him out. Like, he, he couldn't even last to lie in state. And wait, what year was this? 1958. They had television back then. Yeah, you're right. It totally could have been televised. I don't know. At that point, do you even really need to lie in state? I mean, you're this huge person in the church that's well-respected. People pray. You're almost like a, a deity to many, if you think about it. You're going to let that man lie there green and Stinky. I mean, that's just disrespectful. To anyone. Yeah. That's just, just whisk him away. Stick him in one of three coffins. Keep the smell out. Put him in all three coffins. Just put him in all three right away. That is just unbelievable. Well, that's we'll fun. I also like how he's like, I'm a physician, but I'm also great at embalming. Right? That's not taught in medical school. No. I mean, I guess it could stand a reason that you could use those skills and knowledge. But come on. This man has never probably embalmed a body in his life. Wrapped in cellophane? Oh my gosh. So another thing as we wrap this up. Just a little tidbit of information that I did find um, after doing extensive research on the popes and the way that they are preserved within the church. The Signorachi clan is a dynasty of morticians and embalmers whose roots go back to an old Roman cemetery on an island in the Tiber River. They have ministered to many popes over time, and it's not clear if they were involved with the most recent pope deceased. But this clan of morticians and embalmers have been used throughout the centuries within the Vatican and I don't know that is just kind of sketchy to me like they pick these people there's not a lot of information about them they use them for something that's quite secretive Mm -hmm. I don't think it necessarily has to be like that you know, I mean, because there's family funeral homes that you pass through the century or not centuries, but, you know, through the years, they pass it on from family member to family member and they do a good job. How badass would it be like, I'm weird, the, the, <laughs> we're the embalmers of the Pope. We are the best of the best. Cream of the cream. I'd be questioning them like, well, there's some that weren't embalmed so well. Are you, were you involved in that, mister? <laughs> no, because Dr. Motherfucker... Whatever. <laughs> I did not mean to say that that strongly, Dr. but I did. Dr. Motherfucking... <laughs> Galicia Reese is like, nope. Well, even in then the other ones for Pope John... Oh, yeah. I wonder if they were imbo- involved in that. Because it didn't say specifically, did it? No, it didn't. And it was a team. It was a team. So I don't know. There's just a lot of... My conclusion from all of this extensive research that we've done and watching the funeral. And also, I recently watched a documentary on Netflix called The Vatican Girl, which is a uh, series about a crime that may or may not have happened in the Vatican. And it's just been on my mind a lot. And I just think there needs to be a bit more transparency within the Vatican because the more secrets... But the more things you don't tell, the more you try to hide shit, the sketchier you look. True. I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't buy into a lot of these Vatican conspiracies. But I think that there there's a lot they're not telling us. What, I will say what that. What conspiracies are there? Tell me. Cause I'm sure I'll tell you if I believe them. Okay. Um, there was the one that we looked up that they, they eat the Pope's heart after he... 
No, I no, I don't believe that. Okay, let me look up some more. Um, that they're lizard people. I believe they keep the heart. Do you think that they're lizard people? No. Do you think that they're secretly running the whole world? Yes and no. I think that's a fair answer. Um, I think that the Vatican's reach is worldwide. That's true. But I wouldn't say that they're like underground running the whole world. uh, When I'm talking about the reach, I mean more of like the politics of the church and not necessarily just the church itself. Right. Like, anyway. Yep. Not your ordinary funeral. Not your ordinary mortician's shop. I don't know. I said the funeral was a little. I think it'll be better when Francis goes. It it will. I watched Pope John Paul II's funeral when I was a kid and I was like little, so I don't remember that much about it. But I remember it being a lot more exciting, a lot bigger, a lot more elaborate. Well, that's it for Pope Watch. Uh, if anything else happens Pope Wise, we will bring it to you on the Pope Watch net, 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 net. <laughs> we'll see you when Fra- Papa Frankie dies. He's getting up there. He is. I He's hope, also not I, doing too well. I hope it's not soon. I hope it's not soon. But I like him. Winter months are coming, and you know what yeah, that means. Yeah, we know what that means. Yeah. We're kind of rocking. Too much. We're gonna rock it! That's too loud. Rock it! Rock it! And we're gonna rock it! <laughs> I'm doing it one more time. That was more of a yell. Hold on. I loved it. Okay. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so excited. We're gonna rock it! But I can't do it like that. We're gonna rock it! <laughs> Tweets inspired by Hannah Pfeiffer at written by Hannah and at Platini954 on Twitter. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at official underscore plot twist pod. Music is courtesy of Matthew Modena and our resources are in the show notes.